on the Empire Podcast this week, we have guests galore. First, there's Salma Hayek and Miguel Arteta talking about their Sundance London standout, Beatrice at Dinner. And then podcasting legend Mark Maron drops by as well. WTF, right? WTF. All that and the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that crawled from its sickbed to get here. So show some cocking respect, you mothers. Uh, hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Uh, or a cheap facsimile of such. And welcome to the Empire Podcast, uh, brought to you this week by the lovely peeps at mustard.co.uk, who compare car insurance rates like nobody's business. They're just absolutely, just really good at it. Uh, this week, uh, I'm joined by the spectre of death, just hanging over my right shoulder here, a man in a black cloak with a with a scythe. And can anyone else see this? Anyone see it? He's right there. The, no, no? no, that's William Sadler. <laughs> that's William Sadler. Uh, this week, I'm joined by uh, a horrible cold and uh, two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Uh, first up is our geek queen, a lady who just told me that her favourite episode of Supernatural is the one where Sam and Dean Winchester coffee. Is this true? I mean, it might be. It's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. Yeah, coffee outside the small group of people who know what coffee definitely means. Well, I know what it means. Really? Yeah. So it, it, it means to coffee. It sounds like a throw in for bukkake at the moment. No, yeah. no, then it is not my favourite episode. So, no. Kofef, Kof, Kofif, Kof, how are we pronouncing it? Is Kofif, this is the word that Donald Trump tweeted. We, we need to find out what's canon. Yeah, probably find that out. I can, uh, I can guarantee there is no fanfic on this. There is now. I'll, I'll be writing that while you guys are talking away. Oh. Um, and then also there is, you notice I'm getting more Northern Irish as I get my, my, as my cold. As I get sicker, yeah. As I get closer to the grave. Uh, <laughs> also joined this week by our West Wing uh, guru, James Dyer, a man who must be slowly dying inside at the anti-Bartlett that is currently unfolding across the state. Is there a West Wing episode where Jed Bartlett tweets a nonsensical word and then just leaves it for ages. Is, is there something it, like that? It's not a popular episode. I will say this is the worst season eight I've ever encountered <laughs> of a show. Um, it's funnily enough. I just started watching the the new season six of uh, of House of Cards, uh, and it is at the point here five season five. Season Helen's five. Helen's holding off a five. Season five. five. You're yeah. right. It's five. Uh, five of House of Cards. And um, how is it? it? No, it's fine. I'm enjoying yeah. it. But yeah. there's a sense that. And I, it's no longer absurd. You know, at this point, it feels like light comic relief <laughs> against the miserable pastiche of pain that is our political reality. I'll go further. It felt to me like absolute wish fulfillment because I would rather have two competent murderers competent in the White sociopaths. House. Yeah, it, it, it does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? Well, is, it, is it the yeah. best Robin Wright-centric uh, piece of entertainment out this week? We'll Find have out. to see. <laughs> Find out later on because we will be talking about the week's big release. Uh, um, I wonder what it's called. Woman, you tell me. <laughs> so rude. Yay, Wonder Woman! <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. I thought it was my life as a courgette, but there you go. Also good. We'll get, we'll get to that later on as well. Uh, before we go on, I'm just going to hijack this for my own personal ends for a second. I did a 10K run last week. Yes, Helen runs up mountains for a living. Yes, James rips logs apart with his bare hands. Um... Don't you? You do, anyway. You do now. Log ladies. Log. Oh. What? What? No, that sounds even worse. That actually came out really badly. That, that 
that was bad I officially retract that um, yes okay good it's retracted I ran a 10k last week and I did it uh, to raise a lot of money uh, for Bowel Cancer UK which is not only Empire's personal charity but is also the uh, particularly pernicious brand of cancer that claimed to eat the life of my dad uh, Tommy in 2010 uh, so it means a lot to me and you guys have been amazing people who supported me on Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of stuff we've raised almost three and a half thousand pounds for Bowel Cancer UK which is amazing I'd obviously love to go beyond that three and a half, four thousand would be absolutely astonishing. Uh, so if you can find it in your heart to reward a fat man for getting off his ass and running at long last, and I'll be doing more as well because uh, I kind of perversely liked it, mm-hmm. uh, then go on to my Just Giving page, which is justgiving.com uh, forward slash fundraising forward slash Chris dash Hewitt 16 or just look for me Chris Hewitt 16 on uh, on justgiving.com and um, and donate uh, whatever you like that'd be absolutely amazing well, if you want to raise some real money have you thought of I don't know maybe selling the film rights to <laughs> I don't know Simon Pegg might be available we could maybe work something out well, that, that's a pre-make and we should say that Chris did all of this um, with a, a a cold, which you can still obviously hear in his voice mm. right now I'm so. the hero we need and the one we deserve well, come on. I yeah. think we deserve a bit more than that. Do we not? I think this is all I can give. <laughs> this, is, this is a uh, either, was it? Either die a hero or you live yourself, live, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Unless, of course, you're in American politics, in which case it's the other way around. Uh, right. Or any politics, quite frankly, because mm. we've got our own situation coming up. But anyway, we're not going to get political on the Empire podcast. We are apolitical. God forbid. On the Empire podcast. We would never, ever labor to tell you who we support here. <laughs> That would be terrible. Speaking of labour, here's a question. Uh, congratulations to Phil Dissemblian on becoming a father. Hooray! Well, he didn't do very much. No, he didn't. <laughs> Uh, congratulations to Phil Dissemblian on coming to Father says Kate McCambridge via email my question is what is your favourite labour slash birth scene in a movie I'm a midwife says Kate McCambridge and tend to get tetchy about realism but a cock and bull story has a good labour scene I've also got a soft spot for the birth scene in Chris McQuarrie's The Way of the Gun where Juliette Lewis has an emergency C-section uh, I was a C-section uh, performed by a dodgy doctor in a Mexican brothel weird so was I during a gunfight if nothing else, it makes me feel better about my own working conditions. <laughs> right. Not getting political, but you no, know, there's an NHS midwife there. Surely the only right answer to this is Alien Resurrection. Why Alien Resurrection? Because Why you not see any of the other aliens? a pregnant alien queen in labour, uh-huh. um, obstetrician just out of shot, uh-huh. and she <laughs> gives birth to that gelatinous sperm creature, the newborn. <laughs> And that's your, your wow. <laughs> that to me is the most realistic labour scene. That to you is birth, is it? That's, it is. It is. That's really disturbing on just so so many levels. I can't even compute. Um, I, I actually know the right answer to this. Okay, go on. Hit me. Shoot him up. <laughs> it's not a labour scene unless someone is having a gunfight with Paul Giamatti at the time. I don't think that's fair. And then doesn't he, he seeks out? Monica Bellucci because she's a lactating prostitute. Because she's a lactate, obviously. He needs a wet nurse for the baby. Amazing. And uh, because the mother is, spoiler, killed. Uh, uh, and uh, he he has to keep the newborn baby alive. So. You're right, that's a much more realistic. It's so much more seen. realistic than... <laughs> I, I, probably on a par of realism, really, let's be honest. The least realistic, I'm saying Revenge of the Sith. And not because of the, the little droid midwife, <laughs> but just honestly, first of all, I mean, yeah, it's, I would say it's the future, but it's not. It's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far Indeed, away. Indeed, yes. But uh, the labour lasts about six minutes. She names them both as they come out, which is non-traditional. 
Um, and then pops the clogs. I mean, she knows what she wants. You can't really criticise her for that. And, and Luke it, and Leia, like, the names together have a nice ring. It's true. Do you think they came to her in those names, or did she have them written down? The big book of galactic well, child names. It's a risk, isn't it? Because you, you hear some people who, like, don't really pick a name until they've actually had a look at the baby and seen if it sort of fits. Well, and then like, other you look people, like a Steve. Yeah. yeah. And then other people are, you know, have, no, you're definitely going to be an Aloysius, <laughs> you know, before before they kind of come out, so... Do you think Anakin mm. had any say in the names of his kids? And maybe this is why Darth Vader has trouble when a Luke Skywalker turns up in his life. He doesn't immediately go, ah, that's my son, because he was going to call him Gordon. <laughs> so if that it would Gordon Skywalker... He would have been like, what? He's like, yeah, what's happening here? Princess Leia, no, don't get that. Princess Fiona... Wait a minute! Now we're in Shrek, but you know what I mean. I think he might have he might have pegged it a little bit earlier. He might have figured it out. Yeah, that scene's awful. It's awful, uh, and I you know I have a soft spot for for Sith. Yeah. Another another space birth that's much better, I would say, is J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek. The oh, birth yeah. of James T. Kirk. Yeah. yeah, in an escape pod. Really good one. While Chris Hemsworth, I'm not sure about the timeline of that one, but yeah, it is perfect, <laughs> and it is one of only two films ever that have made me cry before the credits. That is a teary one. Before that the is credits, a that and up, isn't it? No, before the credits, it's that and Finding Nemo. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really sad. Yeah. <laughs> Just left with the one egg. Yeah, I've anyway. never this one. Yes, it does. It it jokes tears. It's very well shot. That and it's very well. It uh, yeah pulls it's, in all the right strings. Definitely. Yeah. So Jennifer Morrison, isn't it, playing his mum? And um, oh, what is this game? The um, the dude, the, Luke, Luke Hemsworth. I think Luke it's Hemsworth. Luke Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, Luke Hemsworth or Gordon Hemsworth. <laughs> if his dad had any say, it would be Gordon Hemsworth uh, as Kirk. Yeah, that's an amazing scene. Uh, I'll mention the, uh, the the scene in Nine Months, which is a dreadful film, mm-hmm. <laughs> but is uh, a lot of fun. It has Robin Williams as a full on crazy doctor. That's yeah. right, Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. I, I am always surprised actually at how few films there are about. Pregnancy, birth, and all of this. Like, it genuinely, given how, you know, everybody is born, and probably a good, what, third, 40% something of the population at some point in their lives give birth, it seems bizarre to me that it is such an, a relatively overlooked topic, actually. Apart from, like, you know, you can basically list the sort of pregnancy-centric films yeah. on maybe not one hand, but certainly on two big films. And it's... That's bizarre. I mean, we've nearly had more alien movies about the sort of the horror of birth than yeah. we have about realistic, actual motherhood. And, you know, anyway, we'll be talking about sexism later today. So then, let's leave it well, there. Well, maybe, Helen, but I think you're meant to be in the kitchen later uh-huh. on. So okay. I'm not All so right. sure about that. But, you know, bit I, of, bit of if you're thing. going for a realistic labor scene, the film would be 12 hours long and mainly involve, you know, intermittent screaming and but periods But why haven't of- we seen, for example, you know... Uh, Okay, we've had a pregnant cop in Fargo. Why haven't we seen a woman trying to solve a mystery during labour? That's the kind of thing people would come up with if we had a slightly more equal Hollywood. I genuinely, like during that 12 hours, the hospital would be in lockdown for some reason and they'd have to figure out who killed the what's it. I mean, it would be a thing that would be happening. So during contractions, she during, would make deductions. Between contractions, she'd be doing deductions. That's yeah. amazing. That's a, that's a tagline right there. <laughs> Between contractions, <laughs> contraction. she makes deductions. I think we're on something. I think we are. I'm going to make some calls. What would it be called? Uh, ooh. 
it probably would just be called a contraction. Like, you know what it would... Like, because it'd be like the tension of like everything right. would be getting... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. More tense. But you know, like there's Miss Marple, there's Poirot. Yeah. Murder in the Orient Express. This would certainly have to be a Mrs. Marple or it'd be quite shocking. A Mrs. Marple? <laughs> My word, yes. This is true. Especially given how old is Miss Marple? It would be a medical miracle, wouldn't it? It would be, yes. Oh, my God. Well, she's dead, isn't she? <gasps> Spoiler. What? Didn't they kill her off? But You killed her off. Yeah, what? probably. It might yeah. be, this may well be wish fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I can't, can't say it. She's really, really old, dude. Uh, I mean, there's, I, can't, you, I can't believe you mentioned Alien Resurrection and not Alien, which is surely the greatest <laughs> birth scene of all time, Oh, right? that's isn't it. it. So a man giving birth is the best birth scene <laughs> of all time. It's a miracle, Helen. Yeah, Thanks, Chris. Look at the beauty of creation. I've turned it to full David. Look at the beauty of creation. Ooh, it's lovely. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's my David. That was so fun. Oh, it's so lovely. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's great. Nothing. It's never been topped. Never been topped. It is very. I've seen horror films where things have flopped out of other things, and you know, there's like Prince of Darkness where someone gets pregnant with a big green goo, and then. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, or Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, where See, someone essentially emerges from something else, and you know, it's it's all fine, but it's not as good as Alien. None of those are even close to as terrifying as the dream sequence in Junior. Do you remember this? Junior and Junior, uh, where Arnold gives birth to a small baby with his own face oh, that yeah. screams <laughs> in a high-pitched version of his own voice, uh, and then we all wake up screaming. Oh my god. That's amazing. That's quite terrifying. Doesn't um, uh, knocked up famously yes. has that has the infamous crowning sequence, uh, and has Joe Baruchel and um, uh, and Jonah Hill kind of walking out looking PTSD'd after the whole experience. Um, oh, therapy. They're the ones. Yeah, but if you look at uh, uh, Catherine Heigl in this, she is immaculately made up throughout. She comes out of labour looking pristine. Um, yeah, so she that's a bit fared odd. quite well in that. Blimey! Does a Man of Steel begin with Superman's birth? It's actual birth. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? You see... I definitely remember it super well. <laughs> really? Yeah, I remember really? the dragons from that bit. I don't remember yeah, it good, good old dragons. But, uh, all right, maybe we won't mention that one. But I want to see... You've made me think about this now. And I want to see... Like, we've seen Luke Skywalker being born. We've seen Princess Leia being born on screen. We've seen Superman being born on screen. I think we should have a series of prequels that really go back to the nitty-gritty. Oh, good Lord. And we see some of the greatest screen heroes of all time literally emerge from their mothers. That's, that's the beauty. Why that's not, right there, why the not moment of creation. And see no, the conception, I know no. look who's talking intro style. Oh, oh my God. No. Where you see the little talking sperm swimming the way up there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't you want to see how Hannibal Lecter emerged no. from the <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. This is not the solution to the glut of origin stories. You've got to stop doing that. Stop he that. would say. That's just not right. I ate his liver with some Farley's rusks. Am I? And a nice bottle of milk. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that like a deer sound at the end? <laughs> I'm confused. I think it's meant to be a baby. It's oh, really right. hard to tell. Okay. It's, it it's a baby. We've literally been talking about babies for the last 15 minutes. I'm so broody. All right, fine. Well, let's let's, let's derail that. What about the two? Renesmee's birth in Breaking Dawn? Does I was it, going to ask you about that because I, I saw someone mention it earlier on and uh, and I, I may not have seen it. So tell me, tell me about it. Now, I can't remember. Doesn't 
does it happen in the film? I'm sure I have in yeah. my head from reading the book that doesn't Edward like eat it out of her? Doesn't he have to bite it out or something? Am no, I- no, not quite, no. Um, it's a caesarean, but then he and I think his dad have to bite her lots to get loads of va- vampire venom into her system to save her life before <laughs> she just dies because she's too human to have a vampire baby. That's right. And then the baby essentially gets married off five minutes later to Jacob, Jacob Yew Tree, the werewolf. Yeah. Well, no, it's, but it's, he tries to explain, and it's just imprinting. It's not a weird thing, but it is weird. It's super so weird. So very, very wrong. I did a I did a roundtable interview for that with uh, there were, so there were other journalists on on the inter, on the table. Did you imprint oh, okay. upon him? And uh, <laughs> and, um, and one of the other journalists had not done basic research um, before arriving to this roundtable. So before uh, he came in, she sort of goes, "What happens to Jacob in this film?" And someone explained to her that he imprints on the baby, and and you know they're going to live happily ever after one day when she's older, and. Uh, and basically the first five minutes of the interview were this woman just saying to Taylor Lautner over and over again, I could not believe it. They were telling me that you imprint on the baby. I could not believe it. That's crazy. Literally five minutes of the round table. Oh, my God. It was entertaining. Anyway. I share her horror. What's your, uh, what's your worst round table experience? I mean, that was up there. Yeah. I'll be honest. That was, that was horrendous. We also had one where um, somebody, a different woman... Um, spent a good 15 minutes talking to the director about theology and wouldn't let anyone else get a word in. It was vaguely relevant to the story, but not 15 minutes worth of relevant. So that was quite painful. It, I mean, at the risk of being slightly Brexit, the, the problems that come in round tables <laughs> are when you're on international junkets, aren't they? They do tend to be... Oh I, I think God, some, no, no, he's but, gone but full night <laughs> I'm not full, going full Farage. Yeah, full Farage. <laughs> but you do get very specific regional journalists with slightly specific agendas. Like someone from Norway might, their line of question might be, when are you going to visit Norway? I have seen that I happen. I have heard that. And I've also seen possibly the same journalist. I'm a Norway's premier film journalist. <laughs> do you remember that time that um, in Headhunters, the uh, the oh, yeah. female lead in Headhunters, is ba- it basically like if someone had cast Helen in a movie... <laughs> She's like Norway's Barry Norman. They could have. They, they know. could. They could. And if you're listening to Hollywood, I know you are. <laughs> then get in touch and I want 10% uh, of the take from Helen. That sounds wrong. That but, sounds super wrong. But there you go. Uh, yeah, so Norway. But I've also seen a Norwegian journalist give talent. That's what we call the, uh, that's what we call the people who do the acting folks. Uh, a Norwegian jumper. Ooh, I like uh, this. This is a gift from the people of Norway. Which reminds I, me. Sorry. Did a roundtable for Poseidon with Emmy Rossum, and I think I was just looking a little bit peaked and tired. And she said, uh, "She was saying you're right." I said, "I'm I'm I'm very hungry. We haven't really eaten." She said, "You're kidding. You haven't eaten." And she picked up the phone and she called room service and she ordered me an enormous bowl of chips. I'm Wait, not even kidding. chips. Chips. Is that because? And I, I know she, she did, did something similar me. to you as well. Yeah. yeah. I think she's a feeder. I think she is. I think she's she, a she, she, asked, she literally picked up the phone and said, we need food up here in Mediat Mento. I shouldn't say that I remember the. I remember the word. Did she say... She in Mediat Mento. Wow. Uh, she ordered me chips on mine. She asked me what I wanted as well. I was like, chips? Chips it was. So hang on. So a Hollywood starlet mm. who has money to burn, because as you all know, they're all millionaires, all yeah. of them, uh, asks you, you can have anything off the hotel menu. <laughs> and you go for chips. I'm a man of simple tastes. You are a man of simple tastes. But then tastes. ironically, when Heather Graham Deranged. asked me if I wanted a cup of tea, I, for reasons passing understanding, I said, yes, please, do you have lemon and ginger? <laughs> and, I, and she did, and she made it, 
But that was the first thing I was probably nervous. That was the first thing that came out of my mouth. Do you wow. have lemon and ginger? That's absolutely astonishing. Yeah. That's astonishing. Remind me one day, because we're running out of time. Uh, remind me one day to tell you my tale about the time uh, I watched a German journalist insult Billy Bob Thornton on a round table, and that did not end well. So, I'll tell you about that one day. Billy Bob not Thornton right now. called me pretty. He did the same to me. Oh my God. Oh my God. So amazing. He really is a good Santa. Uh, right. Let's move on. Uh, I think we've satisfied Kate with Cambridge <laughs> with that, with that answer. We're so sorry. Um, we appreciate your hard work. Yes, we're sorry about everything, frankly. Uh, if you want to have your question read out on the Empire podcast, you can do so by emailing us as Kate did on podcast at empireonline.com or, or you can Facebook us as well where we're at Empire Magazine. And you can also, uh, as they say, tweet us on the Twitter machines where we're at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast. Okay, time now for a guest. Now, as I announced on the show last week, uh, Tom Davis, who is the star and co-creator of Murder and Successful, he was meant to be on the show this week. Uh, He, of course, stars as the brilliant uh, D.I. Sleet, who investigates murders alongside, very high concept, alongside celebrities as well. It's a semi-improvised show. It's really, really brilliant. Sadly, he couldn't make it. So, at noon yesterday, we had no guests, not one, not a sausage, not a drop. Uh, but then Hollywood, as is his wont, uh, came right into the rescue. Uh, so, this morning, I went to the Picture House Central, where Sundance London is enjoying another triumphant year. One of the standout movies there is Beatrice at Dinner, which is a sharp, sardonic, and surprisingly sad drama starring Salma Hayek as a working-class woman who gets invited to a high-end L.A. dinner party with unexpected results. Uh, It's a fantastic cast. You've got the likes of Chloe Sevigny and John Lithgow and Connie Britton. But, of course, Salma Hayek is numero uno uh, on the call sheet. And uh, she was in today, along with her director, Miguel Arteta. So I popped along with my cold to say hello. Luckily, it turns out that Salma was just as ill as I was. Enjoy. Oh, wait, hang on a second. What is this? Holy cow, it is Tom Davis himself who is calling in, I think, to explain why he's not on the Empire podcast this week. Now, this should be explosive. Tom, can you hear us? Yes, I can, yeah, yeah. How you doing? Yeah, very, very good. Where, where, where are you? What are you? What's happening? Why aren't you here? I'm, I'm actually just in the midst of saving the world. Um, it seems like... Three times past the love. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm Unfortunately, I've got a big script deadline, which is about saving the world. And, uh, yeah, I've had to do that. I've sort of completely uh, been snowed with, with with scripts and what's not. And, uh, yes, next All right. stuff. It sounds very boring, actually. I wish it was just going with saving the world. Yeah, no, that, I, I, I would accept that. Yeah, yeah, busting up a drug ring or doing something similar. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, that's fine, that's fine. But uh, but just very, very quickly, we will have you on the podcast properly one of these days, but uh, Murder and Successful, which I adore, uh, that came to an end this week. It's on BBC Three, it's on the iPlayer at the moment, but is is yeah. this it? Is this it for Sleet? Is there any more? No, I mean, it's, it's a, such a weird thing, because, well, we, we definitely, it's not the end of Sleet, because we're, you know, we're in talks about doing a, a feature-length version of the, of the show, uh, of the show as such, um, sort of using the sort of same sort of framework. But um, no, I mean, we, we don't want to end this. We want to sort of maybe go in a bit of a different, more different direction with the, play around with the series a little bit more and give it a wider scope. Um, sort of Ratman-wise. Sort oh, of okay. Of a, a hero, 
you know, they're sort of, we just wanted to sort of do something that was a bit more sort of ambiguous, really. And, you know, it's, 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 you know we're, we're sort of not a show that's commissioned with two or three series in the locker type thing. We sort of go by series by series. So, you know, it, I, I, I'd love to do more. It's literally a, a dream of a job to do it. It's my favourite show to make. It's, 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 it's much fun, I think, to, to make as it is to watch. So, um, yeah. I mean, we, and we weirdly now have tons and tons more people who want to um, want to do it. So, it's, yeah, it would it, seem a big shame not to do anymore. No, it's it's amazing. It's the it's the best show this year I've seen in which oh, Richard Osman blows in uh, someone's penis, yeah. and I'm including oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm including that, that infamous that episode was, of Pointless. That was literally the I think the, the happiest moment of my life when uh, <laughs> he agreed to, to blow his. If, if, if any listeners haven't seen this episode, check it out. It's the first episode of, of Series 3. Richard Osman from Pointless teams up with the Isolate and things go horribly awry. It's really, really funny. Check it out. Uh, but Tom, I'll let you go. But uh, So what are you working on? What's, what's the script? Uh, um, we're working on a thing called Action Team at the moment, which is um, our own uh, Bond and uh, sort of old-fashioned spy and sort of a satirical look, I guess, at the world. I mean, to be honest, every time we think we we push the, the limits of crazy, someone in reality comes out and becomes even more weird <laughs> and crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's big. It's scripted. It's six episodes, and it's you know, it's just very, it's very silly. I think um, someone described it as Naked Gun meets Born was what ITV were talking about it, then, okay. which is you know, big things to live up to. So, um, but it's um, again, it's just very, very silly. And uh, I, I'm, yeah, I think it's going to be good. But you have to go. We're filming in Croatia, so you should come out and see it. That's an official, unretractable invitation. I like that. Yeah, it's good. No, no, yeah. no, no. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll buy you a big Steiner of uh, lime. <laughs> 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 Might need some lemsip. All right, Grant, you're on. You're on. Good man. Brilliant. Tom, thanks, man. And, uh, and also, thanks for that hiding last game of the day. That's not a sex thing, by the way. That's That's... Yeah, it's a football. It's a football thing. Yeah, so well, believe me, so am I. So am I. But uh, yeah, come on. Yeah, you have to get you on the podcast physically soon. Definitely, definitely. All right. I look forward to it. Brilliant. All Cheers, Tom. Thanks, man. Cheers, okay. Bye. Bye. That's a first. That's never happened before, and that was completely spontaneous and not prearranged <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. There you go, Tom Davis. If you haven't seen Murder and Successful, it is absolutely fantastic. One of the most original comedies I've seen. All right, so we, we were interrupted just as you were about to get Salma Hayek and Miguel Arteta by the guests who didn't show up, but did show up. So now here is Salma Hayek and Miguel Arteta. Enjoy. Uh, we're delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by Miguel Arteta and uh, Salma Hayek. Hello, welcome uh, to Sundance London. Um, how does this compare to the Sundance in America? Well, this year the Sundance in America had a lot of snow. Yeah, we've and not it's done that. very sunny today. I know. What's going on with that? It's it's crazy. This is our British summer right here. <laughs> one day, uh, Miguel, what was your Sunday experience like? Um, it was beautiful. You know, yeah. uh, it was. Uh, I I've been going there for twenty years, uh-huh. but uh, I was particularly proud of this film. And, yeah. and, and to have worked with Sama, uh-huh. and I think it was Sama. Was it your first time at Sundance? Not my first time, but it's not a place I go very often. Yeah. Okay. So, but it might have been my first time 
It's my first time with a leading role uh, as an actress. Okay. And with such good director. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first time? Can you remember? Why you do this to me? <laughs> I have a call like you do. You know, you go for night and you don't sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually directed one little film for, um, for Showtime, and uh-huh. I shot it in Utah, and uh, they they picked it up. They brought it to Sundance, even though it was for television. So that's a very memorable experience for me. That's amazing. Did I, did I went with that that's one? Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a, can you tell I've got a cold? I don't think, I think it's fine. Listen, I think it's, you're going to be able to tell I've got a cold. Don't worry. It's not, please don't edit that out. No, no, of course not. It's not noticeable in any way, shape or form for me. But, <laughs> pardon me. Uh, and Miguel, your first uh, experience of Sundance. So you said 20 years ago. So yes. how long have you, do you, obviously you don't go every year. Do you just go when you have a movie or do you? Uh, I've, or do gone, you I've gone when I've had movies and when I've been a judge uh-huh. a couple of times. Okay. And what, what's, the, what's the experience like down there? I mean, the festival is an incredible experience because they really, truly reserve a lot of spots there for what I call discovery films, mm-hmm. people that you've never heard of before. Yes. Uh, and I was one of those, those persons 20 years ago. Oh, wow. And uh, and they, there's a certain flavor to the, sun, the movies that Sundance picks. They're, they're really, there's a truthfulness, honesty, and a personal aspect to it. Uh, uh, and a more of a global awareness than other festivals. Yes. So I really appreciate that. Absolutely. And uh, and, and Beatrice at Dinner is a movie that, that feels, it feels very Sundance. It feels almost tailor-made for Sundance. When, you, when you're working on a film like this, is that at the back of your mind? Do you think we might premiere this at Sundance? We, you know, this might be the, the launch pad for the film, in a way. I don't think so. Mm. Uh, uh, no, no. This is this is a very personal movie for all of us. Mike White wrote it. He came to me and Sama and said, "I have a movie that I think would be great for the three of us to make together." Mm-hmm. And I was delighted when I heard what it was about. I've been wanting to work with Sama for a long time, and um, I and think me with him. Yeah, with both of them. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so we were interested in what the movie was about, and I, I felt I felt that the role fit Salma really well. So it was exciting for me. And Salma, did you uh, feel the same when you read this? It's a fantastic part. It's a fascinating, multi-layered part. It's a fantastic part. Yeah. You know, they, they, we, we got together one afternoon and, you know, they said, we have a project for you. And I was so excited, so excited. And I said, well, what is it about? A dinner. Okay. And it's a dinner. Yeah. And what what happens? Well, people talk in, like in a dinner. And that was all I got. <laughs> so at some point I remember thinking, for sure I'm going to be the cook or the servant. In the yeah, dinner. Oh, I have, okay, yeah. I, I have a small part and I'm just in the kitchen cooking <laughs> in this dinner. I'm not even, and I said, well, what do I play? And he said, a masseuse. And now I was really thrown, you know. It's yeah. like, what is the masseuse? And he wouldn't, he, he, they knew more, but they, they didn't tell me much more and mm. uh, I would have played the, the the servant or the the woman in the kitchen just to work with them I would have played anything but when I read when I read the the film and I, I read my part yes also there's something strange about it because it was two days before my birthday two days before my 40th ninth birthday uh-huh. two days two weeks two weeks okay and then on my birthday, he hadn't started writing yet. He says, I'm not sure. I'll just write and see what happens. On my birthday, I got the script. 
Wow. I got the email say, with a note that said, happy birthday. It's <laughs> my gift to you. And then I read it. And I I was very, very emotional because it's such an amazing... It's one of those parts you dream your whole life. And yeah. when you get to be 49, you think, okay, it never happened, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then it, it, it came. And when I turned 50, the year after we celebrated on the set amazing so lovely amazing while you were shooting the, the dinner table scenes uh, dinner party scenes no, or thank god yeah? that was over <laughs> <laughs> what was that like because i i, I imagine the shooting a dinner party over and over again from different angles and getting all the different coverage must get slightly interesting at times maybe even a little dull from a from from your point of view miguel um, I think it's, it's definitely exhausting for the actors that they yeah. have to eat salmon for three days straight. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, for this this movie, it was surprising. We did three, three days that dinner sequence because uh, it's a large part of the movie. Yeah. We shot it for three days, and uh, but they, they went very fast for me. Um, it's an incredible ensemble in the movie, yeah. uh, uh, led by Salma. And uh, and and in that dinner sequence is when Salma and John Lesko really start squaring off mm -hmm. so it's particularly fun and uh, uh, Sama had a lot of dialogue there uh, I remember we yeah did but I didn't find it boring at all because mm -hmm. they're such good actors it was so interesting every time we did it it was completely different yeah. somehow yeah I didn't dread at all the one I really dreaded which was a lot of takes was the singing with the, the singing where I have to sing yeah because he had to cover Every single person, I had to, and I have stage fright. Oh my God! I have to, I had to sing that song <laughs> oh over and over, and I was so embarrassed each time. I was so in pain for the other actors that had to hear me over and over oh and over, God. and it was in the middle of the <laughs> night. This one was the worst for me. Oh my God! So how did you get through it? Well, you just have to do it. You just have to do it. But imagine how self-conscious yes. that these people have been hearing you sing this song a million times. Yes. And you're still singing it. <laughs> do you find different variations within the song as you're going along? Do you? Uh, yes. Do you start yes. changing things and just? No, 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 no. no. You, you cannot. You can't change. Yeah. They kill you in this movie. This was not like a, a kind of like a movie where you improvise. No improvisation. This is the kind of movie where you do as you're told. Yes. Yeah. And but going back to the idea of the the dinner party scene, what I meant by does it get dull for the actors was the eating. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, you're three days straight of salmon after salmon after salmon. After salmon. Well, I was vegetarian, so I only ate okay. lettuce. For me, there was no problem. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't too much. You weren't you're not stuffed afterwards. No, you yeah. know, John came up with some brilliant idea, and he taught them how to make steak out of watermelon. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. So he knows he has a trick to make watermelon look like steak. Wow. Okay. And that's so that's what he was eating. Wow. After a couple of. You know, I didn't know that till now. Oh, yeah. Really? That's amazing, because I'm always amazed at the commitment that he has eating his steak. You know, he's a, he's a very meticulous actor, and I actually really respect how actors, the way they commit to, to eating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the way John was going, eating the steak and talking without interruption, you know, it was like a dance of, of the knife and the fork and the mouth. It was unbelievable the way he did it. It was so realistic. Wow. Uh, and he did do that for three days straight. Three days straight. And it's watermelon. Watermelon. At the wow. beginning, I think it was meat, and then said, 
Okay, then to change it to the watermelon, yeah. this is how you paint it, and this is how you put it. And That's amazing. I want to read the, uh, the John Lithgow cookbook now. I want to see, <laughs> I want to see what other tips he has. That would be, that would be fun. Um, but also the, the movie, there's a, there's a simmering sense of, of, of righteous anger uh, that fuels the movie. There's a sense of indignation at the way the world is, the haves and the have-nots. Uh, you, you could say that John Lithgow's character is a reference to a certain somebody in the White House right now. Uh, is that fair to say? And can you talk about that? Well, it's only, it's, everything is fair because it's your point of view. Mm. It was not uh, written to be that. Okay. But, you know... I just see Trump everywhere at the moment. Exactly. <laughs> I think the audience are definitely coming up with that. Yeah. We did it before he was in the White House. Mm. Um, I mean, Miguel can tell you more yeah. about this. Uh, I wish I wish Donald Trump was as uh, as sophisticated and fun <laughs> as the way that Don, you know John Lesko portrays that character. Yeah, he likes his watermelon well done. Exactly. I believe. Uh, but I was just even the name Doug Strutt. It feels very much like Donald Trump. It feels very much like that that sort of yeah. finite. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I think you'll have to ask Mike White, but yeah. uh, uh, the movie was initially inspired by the. Death that killed that lion, Cecil the lion. Yeah. That was oh, a complete course. outrage. Yes, yes. Uh, and at the same time, just months after Donald Trump uh, uh, said he was going to run for president and said those awful things about Mexican immigrants. And uh, I think, you know, it was a combination of all these this events. Uh, that, that There's just him. so many of them out there. It's hard to know which one is it, you know. It's true. There's so many people like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will let you go now. Uh, Miguel, thank you so much indeed. Because uh, she keeps talking. I was beautiful. Thank you so much. I hope you feel better. Indeed. Salma, I would say Lemsip. It's done nothing for me, but it might work for you. Try Lemsip. Lemsip, Lemsip yeah. There's, is it a coughing syrup? It's a, it's, a, it's a sort of lemony, <coughs> cold medicine type thing. You, you get it as a sachet of powder. You put it into your drink. Oh it's fine. It'll, believe me, it'll work thank wonders you. for you. It'll work thank wonders. You. There's a booth just around the corner. I'll nip around and get you some. Thank, thank you thank so you, much. Sama, thank you. There you go. Yeah, she was. I recommended Lemsip to Sama Hayek. <laughs> okay, then. Not uh, lemon and ginger sip. No, weirdly enough. No. Uh, although nothing's working for me. I need some, do any of you guys know holistic medicine? I might need someone no, to just... No, don't okay. do that. Why? Just gargle with salt water, you'll be fine. Salt water? I don't think salt actually has any antiseptic properties. I don't know, it helps me. Well, there we go. You, can also, you can Does also gargle with soluble aspirin, but that tastes really ganky. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some movie news. What's happening? I mean, so little this week, but there were a couple of Godzilla-related stories that might be worth, I think, uh, talking about... Uh, First of all, chronologically, in terms of when the film comes out, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, comes out in 2019, and it has added Thomas Middleditch to its Ooh, cast I like to him. bring a little bit of comic lightness. As Godzuki. Oh, good Lord. Don't, don't even think it, in case somebody takes you seriously, James. Um, so he is, of course, one of the stars of Silicon Valley. He's very, yes. very good in that. Um, and uh, so this is, I think, good news, actually. Yeah. But every time I, I think he has a touch of the plums about him. The alley plums? Yeah. Yes, good to specify that. Is it just because he has curly hair and you're curly hair racist? Yes. Okay. Sometimes I actually find... I, I look at Silicon Valley and I go, oh, Ali's done really well for himself. I mean, Radio 1 and the lead in an HBO sitcom and then I realise it's not him. 
Yeah. I like it a little bit sad. So this is the one directed by Michael Doherty and um, it also stars Millie Bobby Brown, Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Charles Dance, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Anthony Ramos, hooray, uh, Aisha <laughs> Hines, Ken uh, Watanabe and Sally Hawkins. Why did you do hooray? Because he's in Hamilton. I thought so. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, so that's that's part the first of the big monster movie news. Part the first of the big monster movie news. Part the second is mm-hmm. that um, Godzilla vs. Kong... So that's the 2020 yeah. follow-up. Yeah. Um, will be directed by Adam Wingard, who we like a lot. Yes, we do. We do like uh, Adam Wingard a lot. This, this is problematic for me. Okay. Because I like him. Yeah. And yet I have issues with the idea of the film. Is that because one of the monsters is like one-third the size of the other monster? Yes. It's a logistical problem rather than a quality of film problem. Mm. We it discussed bugs the hell this, out yeah. of me. We discussed this before. Godzilla used to be, Kong Kong used to be the Godzilla, just like a hairy toothpick. Mm. They increased him in size. He's still just a hairy butt plug. Yes. So, Ew. I'm a little bit... My understanding of the story is that, that Kong will go into a bar and order a particularly spicy beverage. And then when Godzilla comes over, he will throw the beverage in his face. <laughs> Whoa! Thereby giving himself an advantage. I hope there are no humans in this film. I genuinely hope that. I think, you know, the humans in these films so far have been overwhelmed. And I just hope that this is like a huge big budget version of Steve Orham's Ah! And it is just Godzilla and King Kong talking gibberish to each other. A bit like the Empire podcast. <laughs> for two hours until they realize that they have something in common and they team up. As many people have said on Twitter, they both realize their mother Mothra. is called Mothra. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, uh, Corfefe. Um, or Corfefe, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they come into it and they're like, oh, it's all horrible. Uh, I, I'm too, I'm a little reserved about this. I think Adam Wingard is fantastic. Mm. We worship the guest here. It is, of course, the film that introduced the notion of our empire spirit animal, Daniel Stevens. And yet, I, I've been waiting for him to break through the big leagues. And by big leagues, I'm not denigrating in any way, shape, or form the work that he has done in the past. But what I mean by the big budget big leagues. Big budget, yeah. Uh, playing with a a... a Budget that has lots of zeros on it before the decimal point, and in I just wonder about this one. Having said that, I didn't like Gareth Edwards' Godzilla very much. I really didn't like Jordan Foyt Roberts' King Kong Skull Island very mm. much. But Michael Doherty is a very, very good genre savvy director, and I have high, <laughs> I have high hopes for Godzilla King of the Monsters. And Adam Wingard is just the kind of cynical fucked up I hate this word but badass director that I think might bring something fresh to a film that could otherwise I mean you could just go uh, to watch two tall people fight us at a pub otherwise <laughs> so it's gotta be there's gotta be a little bit something more to it, a little bit something more rock and roll to this movie and I think he may bring that to it but and you know every day is Christmas Eve indeed so fingers crossed for that um, also this week, uh, I, I think we're all extraordinarily excited for the Transformers spin-off Bumblebee. And that got... We are, right, Chris? Someone's getting stung Eve. by that. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry, I apologize. I'm so sorry. It, I mean, honestly, how how are we feeling here? I mean... I'm feeling does, terrible, mate. <laughs> and, and you're hiding it well. Uh, it, does, is the world ready... <laughs> 
<laughs> for Bumblebee. Well, okay. Let's let's present the case for the defence okay. before. I mean, because we all know the case for the prosecution. There's yeah. really no need to develop it. Um, the case for the defence is this is being directed by Travis Knight, mm-hmm. who is the uh, the boss of Leica Studios, who do nothing but great work, like nothing but greatness. Um, and he directed Kubo and the Two Strings most recently, which is unbelievably great. And so that's a good start. And what we're saying is Bumblebee is going to be claymation. I mean, I would be open to that, but what I think we're doing is Bumblebee might actually have heart and heft and emotion and human drama in it, as well as a car that turns into a robot. Uh, the fact that they've cast Haley Steinfeld is potentially a very smart thing because while she is currently a pop star and quite popular with the youth, I believe, in that role... Have you not heard her song, Chris? You're looking at me like you don't believe me. She's a pop star. Is she? Yeah, she did a song which has some extraordinarily naughty lyrics, which I definitely, definitely recommend you all listening to. Um, but <laughs> Chris has just picked up his phone. <laughs> she's like she's part of she's part of Taylor Swift's squad, right? So she's quite cool and everything. But she's also a really great actress, given good material. I mean, I utterly adored her in True Grit, and yeah. I think she's capable of What's greatness. The song. Um, I don't remember the lyrics. I think it's I Love Me. Gonna Love Myself. Oh, I can guess what the lyrics are. There you go. Um, Okay, here we go. We're not playing it. No, carry on. We're not not playing it because of copyright issues. Indeed. So, so, you know, this might be one with some actual heart. I mean, I think the the cartoons used to have that kind of thing where there'd be like a kid who would be helped by the Transformers and maybe this will be that. And of course, we found out this week that uh, Transformers: The Last Night will be a mere seventeen hundred and fifty-seven minutes long. So that's uh, <laughs> that's, that's something to look forward to. That was debated by Michael Bunk. <laughs> so no, I don't think so. So I think it's going to be like one hundred and seventy-nine minutes yeah. tops. Yeah. He said, okay. "He said it'll feel like three hours long, <laughs> but trust me, it's going to be much, much shorter." Um, listen, let's give this movie the benefit of the doubt. So Any- Haley Steinfeld's lyrics. This is a song called Love Myself, which you can buy for 99p on the Google Play Store. Yeah, when I get chills at night, I feel it deep inside without you. Yeah, know how to satisfy, keeping that tempo right without you. Yeah, pictures in my mind on replay, I'm going to touch the pain away. I know how to scream my own name. Scream my name! Going to love myself. No, I don't need anybody else. Brackets, hey. And then it repeats in a fane for, oh my God, the second verse is even ruder. No, I'm not reading that anymore. That's disgusting. <laughs> she should be ashamed of herself. She should be stricken from the record. True grit no longer exists. How dare you, I, sir? I sense you're about you. to describe this as a load of wank. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one song about female masturbation, and that is I Touch Myself <laughs> by the Finals. <laughs> Which is referenced in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fact. Oh my! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, there's okay. a point she makes a thing that she used to sing it to, and didn't know what the lyrics meant. Yeah. So anyway, back to the movie news. Just very quickly before we move on, um, there was news on Avatar which is definitely getting a sequel. That is a thing that is totally happening and is moving ever closer, accelerating down the track towards us. It'll be with us any second now. So exciting. Or at least on the 18th of December 2020 for the second film, the first of four planned so new movies. Exciting. And even more exciting, uh, Joel David Moore will be back. He's back. In the film. By popular As demand. Norm? 
correct. Hey. <laughs> Jim, but you, uh, you're a big ad, uh, Avatar advocate, aren't Can't you? Get enough of it. <laughs> I want more sequels, more than yeah. five. I want a hundred sequels. I want a sequel every single year from now until forever. Is this because you were instead of the last one and you just want to spend my life in? Yeah, yeah, basically that. It's Australia, I mean, isn't it? It will yeah. be it eleven Australia, years yeah. by twenty twenty. Eleven years since the original. Just saying. Yeah. Hey. So the so new one shooting in Australia. The the previous one did shoot in New Zealand. So this is what this shoot, the next fifteen thousand of them are shooting in Australia. Is this what we're saying? Australia and L.A. Because Sigourney Weaver told me she wasn't going to be leaving L.A. for. Herbits. Mm. But they did loads of it in LA the first time because they did all the volume stuff in LA. Right. And then they moved to New Zealand for the, you know, uh, the the studio stuff, the Mm. live action bits. So Joel David Moore is back as Norm, which is great news for him. Uh, Bad news for the manager of the Wendy's he works at. No, that's not fair. (laughs) He is actually about to direct his second film, which is an adaptation of Time and of Athens. And if you can do Shakespeare... Oh, you're a joke tramper. I know. You're an abs- You just do stamp yeah, on punchlines, don't you? you just did. That's what you do. You take pleasure in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do it and, again. And also, as as my lawyer, you have to point out that Joel David Moore does not actually work at a branch of Wendy's and has a thriving and successful film career on both sides of the camera. There you go. And uh, I apologise for any offence caused to the Moore family and friends and associates at this time. Thank or you. indeed Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy's does not wish to be associated with Joel David Moore. <laughs> we are backing away from that one. Now he was great in Dodgeball. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was good in Dodgeball. Right, okay. Yes, we should talk about other things as well. Uh, and this, it's not New Empire Week, but it's New Empire Spin-Off Week. Um, so, like Bumblebee. Yes, this is Helen, our Bumblebee. Yeah, Helen and James are now spinning off. They're fighting crime in a labour ward. And uh, alternatively, we have released a one-shot, which is the 101 Empire Presents 101 classic scenes. So if you've been reading Empire from the beginning, bar a few issues where we ill-advisedly junked it in favour of something else, and you guys revolted with pitchforks and torques. Torques? You came torques. at us with Peter Torque. It was really horrible. Uh, <laughs> there's a classic scene at the back of the magazine every month. At the moment, it is chosen by famous people, uh, but historically, it's been chosen by us. So 101 of them are in there, including some brand new ones. So I'm just flicking open the, open the magazine now. Uh, we've got one from A New Hope. We've got one from Manhattan, one from The Thing, one from 48 Hours. We've got, we've got the 20 jokes about his nose from Roxanne. Oh, we've got we've one. got the poison scene from the Princess Bride. Yeah, um, we've, we have a lot of we have a lot of yeah great monologues and stuff. So if you're mm. an acting student, this is definitely the addition to buy. Yeah, but we should even say if yeah. you're not, it's so good. I it's just a magazine. Yeah. These are written down. They're not performed. No. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, people might want to. Absolutely. Who would not want to perform? He says, opening one at random. 82, 82, 82 toothpicks from Rain Man. Who wouldn't? I wouldn't. Why not? Weirdo. Because anyway. it's it, it's impossible to improve upon the performances of Dustin Hoffman and Thomas Cruise Maypole the Live Fourth. Okay, and that is on sale right now, six pounds ninety nine, and all good and evil news agents go and buy one immediately. It's gorgeous. Or we'll kill you. What? Nah. Good. As your lawyer. As your lawyer, etc. Any other movie news? There's something about Dwayne Johnson and Angelina Jolie being linked with the Dark Universe. Anyone? Yeah, there was. A, it's a rumor, I think, at this point, but uh, it's certainly an intriguing one. There was speculation that he might be a Wolfman of some sort, which I would be intrigued by potentially. Um, but I think we have to wait and see a little bit how you know how the Mummy is received, uh, which I think will be interesting. 
I think it'll be, I think it'll do fairly well, actually. Um, but we, we shall have to see that. And then, of course, they have Bride of Frankenstein to go next, so it's not obvious how they'd necessarily fit in there. Mm. But we shall see. It's all very exciting. It's all very, very exciting. Also, Clark Gregg has been cast to join Guy Pearce in The Spinning Man, and I mention this only because we all know Clark Gregg is far better known as Agent Casper from The West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. <sighs> Fact. Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D., you know it. We all know I don't know, know who that is. Well. Agent Casper. Him and Josh have a run-in. It's brilliant. It was brilliant, I agree. Yes. I love that episode. Is that the episode where they, they discussed ethics and morality and... And wandered the corridors. It was, actually, yes. Yeah, and someone said, walk with me, and then they walk with him. And, uh, should we talk about, very, very quickly, the fact that uh, Paddington 2, first te- teaser trailer is out, and yes, happy days. Yeah, it's super charming. Go watch it. Yeah. There's been a few trailers this week, in fact. There was uh, Logan Lucky had a trailer. Oh, so Amazing. good. Which was really good. Yeah. Very Cohen-esque rather than Steven Soderbergh, I thought, but uh, it also has his his stamp on it, naturally, given that he does every single job on set, pretty much. Um <laughs> So that's yeah. very, very good. Also has Daniel Craig doing a, an accent, which I can't speak for the veracity of it, but I enjoyed it. Yes. I mean, I don't know if it's right, but it's fun. So. Yeah. Uh, so uh, get on that one as well. Uh, and then the last thing I think we need to talk about real quick is uh, another announcement of another Spider-Man movie in the Sony Spider-Man universe and another one without Spider-Man. Uh, this one is Black and Silver which is uh, about Black Cat or is it Silver and Black anyway uh, it's about Black Cat and Silver Sable hot fact I have the number one Silver Silver Sable Sable comic so do I because everyone bought it in the early 90s the Silver Embossed yes Silver Embossed yes Yes, worth nothing I bought it in a comic store in Liverpool my very first trip to uh, Anfield to see my beloved team well I bought it at Calamity Comics in Harrow on the Hill (laughs) This is amazing. So fuck you. Helen, do you have it? No. Do you want it? I've, I've got no. <laughs> We've got several of them. Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, bargain. I mean, it's, yeah, it'll make you a lot of money. I'll, 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 hundred pounds. So anyway, they're making 200 this pounds. <laughs> they're making this film with Gina Prince-Blythewood directing. Is that yes, correct? that's which correct. Which is exciting. She's, uh, she's good. She did The Secret Life of Bees and Beyond the Lights, which was an excellent, excellent film. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think uh, Beyond the Lights might give us a clue on casting? She says, hopefully. 20 pounds. 20 pounds. 20 pounds. 15. I'm still trying to sell you my no, comic. I'm no, not, okay. I'm not going to uh, I don't know. Possibly. I think she'd be quite cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Sorry, we're talking about Gugu and Bathoro, who yes, starred in Beyond the Lights, which was, which was very good indeed. Yes. And The Secret Life of Bees was Dakota Fanning? That is correct, yes. yes. With um, Jennifer Hudson as well, Paul yes. Bettany. Um, Paul Bettany would be a great silver sable. <laughs> but he's already the vision, so... Oh, such a shame. Wouldn't quite work. Queen uh, Latifah was in there as well, Alicia Keys. Yes, yeah. oh, Alicia Keys. Uh, Dakota Fanning teaming up with Gugu and Bathoraw would be an excellent uh, uh, sort of super anti-hero team. If you don't know who Silver Sable and Black Hat are, by the way, Silver Sable is a mercenary within Spider-Man universe, silver hair, uh, dreadful comic, the James and I are trying desperately to get rid of. And uh, and she hunts down war criminals. She hunts down war criminals. Um, like Simon Wiesenthal. Sure. I genuinely thought you were going to say something really libelous there, so thank you for saying that. I, I thought you were going to... So my heart began to race. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Speaking of libelous things... Oh, God, no. Uh, yeah, you should... Uh, if you want to come and see the Empire Podcast team... Uh, fly by the seat of their pants and say things that are potentially libelous uh, before we get a chance to cut them out. 
um, this is a big sell. Uh, we are going to be appearing live again this year. We're going to be uh, appearing on Saturday night uh, at the London Podcast Festival, which is a huge festival dedicated to podcasts, uh, as you might expect, based in London. Not London podcasts, but there's some amazing podcasts. John Hodgman's coming in. Uh, my dad wrote a porno or doing a show, all sorts of stuff. So we're doing a show, I think it's 9, 9.30 to 11.30. So a very late one, Saturday the 16th of September, I believe it is. Uh, we're going to have a special guest, aren't we? Yes, yes we are. We're going to have an amazing special guest. It's going to be extraordinary. You're going to see the Empire podcast team there as well. Uh, if you've never seen us live, uh, it's an absolute shambles. So <laughs> do come along and watch that unfold, the horror unfold in front of your eyes. It'll be great. It'll be great. Uh, so uh, you can get the tickets. There are tickets on sale right now on the King's Place website. So go to kingsplace.co.uk uh, and check it out. And you can if you book for multiple shows, so us and other podcasts, if you really want to see uh, some other people, they're amazing, amazing podcasts, uh, you get a discount. So do check them out. And we'd love to see you there. It will be, I believe, in terms of volume, our biggest show to date. Ooh. Exciting. And late nights, we might go R-rated. Yeah! Oh, we always yeah. go R-rated. Yeah, fuckers. Right. And yes, I agree with that casting. I, I forgot what I was talking about. Okay. Black Cat and Silver Sable? Sure. Yes, and Black Cat is uh, Felicia Hardy, who is a neighbour of Peter's who becomes romantically entangled with him, and she also happens to be one of the greatest cat burglars in the world. You know um, how it is. Yeah. She also has powers. She has powers, yeah. Bad luck powers. She does. She's shit long shot. Uh, and that's it for this week's movie news Uh, do come and see us as I say at the London Podcast Festival and we should have now our second guest because we're up to our balls and guests this week we really are Um, confusing I know literally literally genuinely at noon yesterday we had nothing it was just going to be this for an hour Uh, and then obviously Salma Hayek and Miguel Arteta came through and uh, thank you to James for hearing on the grapevine that uh, Mark Maron was in town uh, to talk about his role in Glow because uh, you made it happen. You made it happen, James. I do take full responsibility. Did I make it happen a little bit? No. No, okay. James made it happen. Helen made it happen. I did not. Even less than I did. Uh, but anyway, Mark Maron, is, uh, he's a podcasting giant. He's a true podcasting giant. If you don't listen to his WTF podcast, uh, there are over 800 episodes, but it is one of the best podcasts in the world uh, and has seen a procession of some of the biggest names in the world. Not just movie people, not just music people, not just sports people, but Barack Obama, back when he was the President of the United States of America. Uh, and uh, and it is a hugely influential podcast. It's reinvigorated Marin's uh, stand-up career and led to his role as Sam Sylvia on Netflix's dramedy Glow, which is about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling in the 1980s. Uh, so at the 11th hour, having found out he was in London, he agreed to talk to me, and I had an absolute whale of a time. I hope you do too. Here's Mark Maron. Enjoy. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast by Mark Maron, star of Glow and Podcasting Legend. How are you, sir? I'm all right, man. How yeah. are you doing? I'm not too bad, not too bad. Uh, you've had a, a long day of press here in London House. A long day of insane press, yeah. and the jet lag just started kicking in about midway through it. Oh, so there's a few interviews there, so a few short-form TV interviews uh, on in different countries where I'm going to you know, just be... If you watch them, you'll notice I'm fighting back yawning, <laughs> and I'm trying to keep my eyes from crossing. But then okay. I turned it around towards the end. Okay, so uh, how are you feeling now? 
Where are you now? I feel all right. I went upstairs and uh, tried to uh, reset a little bit, and I had left the window open to let some air in, and now I have a room full of flies. I have a fancy hotel room full of flies. So I got my work cut out for me after this. I thought I was going to relax, but I'm going to be trying to corral flies out uh, the window or trying to kill them, and it's just going to be a sad, ridiculous comedy. They've got guys who can do that for you here. Do you think? Yeah, you just call down the front desk and send up the fly killer. I, w- I bet you they do. Yeah. There's a lot of people, you know, it's like I thought that the world of Downton Abbey was gone. It's just reconfigured itself a bit. <laughs> uh, there's a, you know, yeah. just uh, more updated outfits, but there seems to be plenty of people working <laughs> in these positions that you wouldn't think would require that many people. You would think, right? No, I, I watched a documentary in this ferry hotel. We're in the Mandarin Oriental about a month ago. There was a three-part BBC documentary about it. Pretty eye-opening. Really? The How lengths, so? The lengths that the staff will go to, the, the, the hours they work, the difference in class between, obviously, the people who work here and the people exactly. they look after. Exactly, Downton Abbey, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's just crazy. I I mean, told, like, there, like, there was like at least four people involved in my room cleaning yesterday. It's insane. And it's, I feel weird about it because like, I carry my own duffel bag and there's a guy in a nice outfit who's like, you want me to take your bag? And I'm like, not really. I'm good. And there's part of me that's sort of like, you don't have to worry about it, pal. But there's another part of me that's sort of like, well, he's probably saying like, it's my job. <laughs> but I, I don't get off on that type of luxury. You know, okay. I, I don't sort of like, yeah, take my bag. Yeah. To treat me like I'm staying at the the Mandarin. And here's a question. I've asked a, a bunch of people who, who uh, star Netflix shows this. Do you get free Netflix? I don't know. I didn't ask. I already have it, but I'll put it on the list. I mean, it's a saving of probably, what, $10 a month? Something but, like that. Yeah. I but, think I'm paying more than I should be anyways. Really? Yeah. A dual Netflix accounts or whatever. But uh, Something yeah. happened. Something went wrong. Yeah, I should get someone working on that. You should point. look into that. That should be part of, of your deal when you start you know, re-upping for season two yeah, of, uh, of Glow. Yeah, because like, I do think I'm paying too much for it. I don't... There's a lot of things that I'm paying monthly that... I'm not sure I, I even use that much. That's not one of them, but like I got a gym membership, but you just kind of yeah. keep those there. Yeah. Yeah. You keep them going just to be like, no, I got to go. You're just, you're just paying for the shame. They make it so hard to cancel. That's the yeah. problem. That's the problem. But, uh, but Glow is, uh, is, uh, it's another acting job for you. Do you consider yourself now uh, uh, an actor full time? Is that the day job or? No. I, I mean, much? I, you know, I've always wanted to act in things and I don't really consider myself an actor. I think I can do it if it's in my wheelhouse. Uh-huh. You, you know, I, I, I think that I have a natural instinct for it and I've learned over time, you know, primarily from shooting my series, how to be on camera and how yeah, to be yeah. comfortable with it. I don't think it's something that you can do you, know, you, you got to learn it somewhere. And I knew that my first season of Marin and maybe even into the second one, I'd probably just have to take the hit. You know, uh, I did okay. But there is something about becoming comfortable on camera that you can only do on camera. Uh-huh. But um, no, I mean, I, I, I wasn't really planning on acting, you know, much uh, after my show. I was planning on taking a break, uh, both from stand up and, uh, you know, acting. Um, but, you know, things came up where I had to do you know, I got a, uh, I played Carnegie Hall and I had to prepare for that. And then I, I had a, got offered a special on Netflix. So I had to do a pretty extensive tour to build the, uh, the hour plus for the mm. special. And then like this script came to me from my manager, you know, out of nowhere, the glow script. And I, I just saw it that like I, I could be that guy. Mm. And I was sort of convinced of it. You know, I was not, you know, desperate or looking for anything. But like, you know, I've wanted the opportunity to act on a show, mm. 
that wasn't really me. And, uh, and I just connected with that script. So, you know, I put myself on tape. Mm. Oh, wanted, really? Okay. Yeah. I had my, I have a, a personal trainer who I go to sometimes, this woman who's an actress. So I told her I needed help and she read Allison's part in the scene. And this guy who's like my part-time assistant, he used my iPhone and we did like three. I went down to the street to the optical place. And I know the women who run it and I got some aviators because I thought this guy should wear aviators and I had a Lacoste shirt. So I kind of put some effort into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we did about three passes on it and they, the, my agent sent them off and they booked me on that. Amazing. It was kind of amazing. I just, I just knew the writing was solid and the guy was sort of beat up and a little down on his luck and kind of deluded, you know, delusional uh, in terms of uh, who he was in the world. And he was kind of a dick, but, you know, he wasn't a bad guy. I just, uh, I thought like, this is something I can do. Mm-hmm. And I had some very clear ideas for him uh, very quickly Okay, uh, that, you know, I, I kind of told the showrunners, you know, about, you know, how this guy does coke. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know that. You know they had given me um, a soft pack of cigarettes, and I'm like, you know this. You know he needs a flip top box because he's got to <laughs> put the coke in there. Wow. You know, like because I it was like I told the showrunners Carly and uh, Liz, who are kind of dorky, yeah. you know, and they're in their yeah. late thirties, I guess. And I said, look, this guy, he only does coke out of a bindle that's cut out of a magazine, <laughs> you know, and, you know, he, he never, he has not flashy, he's not sharing it. He uses it, it's part of his life. He does it with a key or a pen top. And they both looked at me, there was this beat and they're like, <laughs> one of them says, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> I'm like, I knew this, this wisdom would come in handy. Amazing. Wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Can you, can you trace all this back to the success of, of the podcast? Of WTF. Is Absolutely. It? Yeah, there was no doubt that, you know, when I started the podcast, it was pretty over for me, really. Um, I was pretty broke, gotten through a couple of divorces, and, you know, I couldn't really draw as a stand-up, so that work wasn't really there, and I didn't really set myself up to do anything else. Yeah. So the podcast was sort of this kind of born out of desperation to keep engaged and, uh, you know, there was no plan for it. There was no way to make money with it at the beginning. And, you know, it's just a decent cosmic timing and I seem to have a skill for it, you know, mm. that, you know, my conversations and, you know, my disposition, you know, uh, kind of created some sort of unique new approach to talking to people in a public forum and podcasts give you a lot of freedom, but it got popular. And I think the medium sort of got attention around, you know, the same time that I started doing it. I think I had something to do with that. Uh, and, you know, I certainly think I, you know, kind of, uh, in, enabled a lot of people to think that they could do podcasts. Yes. Um, and I, and that's fine with me. It's all good. You know, I never, I didn't invent interviewing. I don't know that, I'm really an interviewer per se, but there was something about the timing of WTF and the podcasts that were around and marginally popular at the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, and then the medium sort of blowing up to the degree it has, which is not, it's still not huge, mm. but it's, uh, it's certainly a living. You know, I was, you know, I could just be doing only that. Oh, wow. Okay. But yeah, it did open the doors to the, the, the marriage series and, yep. and then to, you know, another book. And, you know, I think from that, you know, 
you know, these other opportunities came. But I'm ready and able to do them. I don't know that I would have been at another point in my life. Mm. I may have thought that I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think I really was. So like, you know, I had to let go of most things. Like, you know, when I was in the podcast, it's like, I don't know where I'm going or what's happening. You know, I didn't want to be like a B-room headliner for the rest of my life. Yeah, of course. I, I didn't see that as, you know, there was, it was sort of a do or die situation. I, there was no answers and it didn't look good. But I was talking on the mic and I was doing this podcast and I was working with a guy who was my uh, business partner and producer who I respect a great deal and is a very brilliant guy. And he had faith in me and we didn't really know where it would go. But I didn't think I would do television. I didn't think I'd be a popular comic. And I had to really sort of accept that mm. as a grown-up. Like, all right, so that shit's probably not going to happen. You know, you're in your 40s. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, it didn't work out. So that's that. So let's just do this thing. Yeah, yeah. And see where it goes. Yeah. So because I didn't think anything was really going to happen, you know, when things do happen, I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I can show up without fear or without desperation, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't spend much money and the podcast now earns money. And, you know, so I'm not in that zone of like freaking out about money. Mm. So I can make choices. I can say no and I can do things that I want to do. And yeah, all of it came from reinventing myself through doing a desperate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was listening to a whole, I've listened to a whole bunch of your, your, your film interviews over the last few years. Uh, most recently, Walter Hill. Oh, yeah. That's a really interesting one. So you know, that, you know, you seem to be a real film guy on a certain Yeah, level. I mean, yeah. like, you know, there, you know, a lot of times with the directors who are hard to get, really, uh, they're hard to get because if a film director is working, they're working for a year. Yeah. You know, so they're, it's you know unless you're gonna go find him, but uh, some guys don't talk. But they're like it's better if I like the movies, at least two or, <laughs> two or three of them. Yeah. And guys who've been at it a long time, you know, even if you don't like their movies, you, you understand why they're directors or why they're great directors. I mean, I've been fortunate. You know, the directors I talked to outside from Walter were you know Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah. uh, Noah uh, Bombeck. Um, who you know? Who else? Who else have I talked to? Uh, Bogdanovich. Yeah, Bogdanovich. Yep. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's more. Um, am I forgetting some? Because like I do all right with them because I, you know, I do have like like somebody like here's a good example. Gary Marshall, who who has made some movies, you know, that were big successes. You know, not in a long time, mm. but but Pretty Woman is a big success. Oh, Rob Reiner, yeah, yeah, uh, Carl Reiner, and you know, there's a lot of those guys who you know, there's a movie they made that sort of like you know, for whatever reason, whether it's economically or, or creatively, it was a huge movie, like a you know, a sort of world changing movie in terms of movies. So you just got to hang on to that one, you know, and 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 figure out why or where they went with their other work. And, you know, I take a different approach to, to, to all of them. And I'm not, I've usually not seen all of their, oh, Herzog. You know, that was, that was, that was a tricky one. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, someone like Walter Hill, who comes from the old days. Yeah. And Bogdanovich, I thought was very revealing that, you know, like, you know, he, you listen to him talk for an hour and a half 
Oh, Friedkin. That was oh, he's, masterful. You just listen to Friedkin. He just... Yeah, yeah. And, and guide him a little bit. Yeah. And keep him away from politics. Because, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, then you go down a rabbit hole. It's unnecessary. Yeah, absolutely. But like someone like Bogdanovich, you know, he's got no idea really on some level in talking to him about why he, how he fucked himself. <laughs> Do you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Precisely. I know exactly what you mean. So... You know, but but he's like he was a visionary guy. Yeah. So I do have respect and appreciation for film. And, you know, I always have. And I know the players and, you know, Walter Hill. There was a few great movies, but he was, you know, you got to get back into the history, man. You know, getting them going about Steve McQueen and William Holden and that stuff. He talked about uh, uh, that. What I forget. uh, Now I'm spacing the director's name that was being sort of misrepresented in that Betty Davis movie, The Feud. Like oh, he, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what's his name? As well. uh, Aldrin, Aldrich, Aldrich. Oh, yes. oh, Aldrich. Yeah, Robert Aldrich. Yeah. yeah, Robert Aldrich. That was some powerful shit where he's like, I just need to speak up for, you know, I yeah. knew that guy. And all that stuff about like, you know, Alien, about Aldrich's idea for, it's gotta be like an orangutan, shaved orangutan. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful shit, you know? Yeah, he's, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of arts. You know, I, I, I'm a music lover and I'm a, you know, film lover. And, you know, I love, you know, I've re- recently been talking to more actors because I, you know, I've gotten, I've figured out how to talk about craft with them, hmm. which, you know, not all of them can talk about because not all of them have one necessarily in place, but hmm. some of them do. And, you know, that that sort of opened up for me recently. Mm. There was a time where I'm like, oh, let's not go too hard on the actors because a lot of times there, there might not be a lot there. But, you know, if you figure out how to talk to them about process and you can get there. I will have to let you go. But I want to ask one last thing before yeah. I do, because I know you're, you're jet lagged. I'm all you're, right. You're flying home tonight? No, I'm all right. I'm OK, you're all right. Tomorrow. Um, but uh, you mentioned that you're, there's, there's still people you haven't gotten the podcast, despite your godlike powers. I don't have any godlike powers. Like you asked I mean, me, like, do am I always in? Like we work through bookers now, you know, who present people who are doing stuff. A lot of people you can't get unless they're out pitching, yeah, yeah. you know, or out junketing. And they know my show, so that, you know they know that I'm not going to do that kind of interview. But you know that's sometimes where you get the availability. Um, and a lot of times I don't know if it's going to go well. And I'm, I, you know, a lot of times I say like, yeah, that that might be interesting. And then two days before I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? Why why am I going to talk to this person? What's going to happen? And I never bail out. But like I genuinely sometimes don't like when it comes to the day of. I'm like, what did I do? What? How am I gonna talk to this person for an hour? What? What? <laughs> and like, you know, I get on the on the phone with my partner, you know, Brendan, my producer. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck. What am I gonna do with them? And he said the other day, who was who was I worried about? I don't remember who it was. It was coming over. I'm like, well, how am I gonna? He's like, you interviewed a guy you never seen or heard of once, which is true. <laughs> is this uh, Kevin McDonald? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you pulled that off. So what are you worried Amazing. about? Amazing. Amazing. I don't know if he's happy about that. Oh, you know? he's, he's got to, listen, this has got to happen before. I was tremendously, when he came on the scene, I was tremendously excited because of the other Kevin McDonald right. as well. I remember once I was in a bar in New York about two years ago, and Kevin McDonald, the kids in the hall, Kevin yeah. McDonald was in the same bar. And I don't get starstruck. I don't, you know, yeah. but I did with him. I, yeah. you know, my friends were like, go and say hello, go and say hello, yeah, it's yeah. Kevin McDonald. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I just really? watched him creepily from afar, like a little stalker. Oh wow! For until he left the bar. It was well, the funny thing weird. about the wrong Kevin McDonald is like I couldn't post it because I didn't do a full hour, and I knew that like the only way we could post it is if we get the other Kevin McDonald <laughs> and we post them together. They have to be up to, and you know, 
<laughs> yeah. And yep. I finally got him. <laughs> <laughs> got him in the end. Awesome. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks, buddy. I will let you go, man. Cheers. Right, thanks, thanks for, for nice talking. Thank you. Cheers. That was Mark Marin. And before we get into this week's review, um, I should say my handshake story. So obviously, as you can tell, I have a cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the interview, I just reflex. Yep. I just shook his hand. And then I went, oh, oh God, no, I've got a really bad cold. And he went, oh God, oh no, I've touched you now. And and he had to go off and, and wash his hands. And I just sat there mortified going, oh God, I've just given Mark Maron the cold and it's awful. He washed his hands, he'll be fine. Yeah, it's but it's just good. it's just one there to my in my sort of hall of handshake inf- infamy, infamy fame type thing. But Barack Obama didn't do that. I bet Barack Obama did not do that. I wonder if he used his toilet. Do you remember the time Channing Tatum used the toilets at our our, our offices and we were absolutely oh mortified? Oh my god, it was a mapping, wasn't it? Yeah, that was our old our old old office. Uh, which seemed to be the site of a permanent dirty protest. <laughs> Ew, I should say, this is the men's toilets. And, the ladies were a lot better. And we used to have people in for web chats and, and, and whatnot quite, quite regularly. It was and awful. on the rare occasion they would ask to use the facilities, we'd all just die of embarrassment. It was awful. Absolutely awful. They'd come out anyway. covered in feces. I mean, it was just... Oh, God. <laughs> which reminds me, tell me about your Tom Hardy story one these days as well. Oh, uh, yes. Speaking right. of being covered in feces. Oh, no. uh, okay, so that's enough of that. Uh, time now for this week's reviews. Uh, review might be more reviews. accurately we'll, we'll reviews. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, now, there is no spoiler special dedicated to this week's big film. Uh, that is beyond our control. Uh, here at the Empire Podcast, we we only do spoiler specials if we can get to talk to the talent behind the film to get uh, inside their heads. Uh, that was not possible. Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman, for that is the film we're talking about, did not come over this week to the UK, sadly. But we are hoping, just like George Miller and Chris McQuarrie before her, she will do so at some point and we will get her uh, then. But, in the meantime, we'll be doing something next week. Yes. Spoilers specially-ish. Just not a podcast. So look out for announcements on Twitter and Facebook. We'll, we'll pick a time and, and we'll, we'll do something. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk about this, Helen. Let's Hi. talk about this film. This Wonder Woman film. Yeah, so we uh, we start on the island of Themyscira, which is the home of the Amazons. Uh, they are led by uh, Hippolyta, who is uh, Connie Nielsen. Um, and uh, she explains to her daughter Diana, the only child on the island, how they came to be. They were created by the Greek gods to defend and protect the world of mankind um, because the w- god of war, Ares, had sort of uh, corrupted man's hearts and, and, you know, turned them into big fighting stupid heads. And so the the idea was that the Amazons would, buy, would through their example and through their leadership and occasionally through their arse-kicking uh, ways, sort of lead mankind back to what they were supposed to be. Unfortunately, Ares influenced man, man, mankind then enslaved the Amazons. Zeus had to rescue them and hide them on this special island and they've been hidden there ever since until they'll come back one day and our hour of greatest need is the idea. Um... And meanwhile, Zeus beat Ares, Ares fled, and all seems to have been okay. So Diana's grown up in this environment. She has persuaded her aunt, uh, Antiope, who's played by Robin Wright, to train her as a warrior. Antiope is super cool, and so Diana also grows up 
pretty darn able to handle herself. And all seems to be fine until the day that a uh, a World War One plane crashes just offshore. And uh, what do you know? There is a super hot guy in it. Uh, Steve Trevor, played by Chris Pine. What? I know, right? He's pl- uh, pursued by a platoon of Germans who are determined to get back something he has stolen in his in his spying mission on the Germans. Uh, and... Uh, and the Amazons have to make short, short work of them. And then, basically, Diana wants to go with Steve to the world of men uh, because she figures if this is a great war, if this is the war to end all wars, then Ares must be involved somewhere. Therefore, it is my mission to go and personally kick his ass. And that's basically the setup, really. Was that the synopsis? I feared you were recording the audiobook. <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> Sorry, carry on. That was a very skillful uh, recounting of the first 80 or 90 minutes, I'd say. Do you it was what? It was, what? A, it, was a, it was a... It was 20 minutes worth at most. Sense. It was oh, I'd perfectly... Say 34 minutes, 57 seconds, Helen. I, I think we're going to split... The, okay. I think for a, for a <laughs> mid-level classic lecture, that was... There. <laughs> Here's an interesting story, <laughs> completely unrelated to this. I was uh, once given a 25-minute classics lecture from Robocop. Peter Weller. This is a thing that happened. It has nothing to do with this. Carry on. Well, I don't know if I will. No, you can. I can do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you may have got the uh, the floor with this. No, one. he did. He did. I was on set of Sons of Anarchy, and he talks about that. He does lectures. You know. Yeah. Anyway, we have nine minutes. To, we oh. have nine minutes to review right. this film. That's right. Fine. Okay. Write this down. Your Tom Hardy story, your your Peter Weller story, <laughs> and my Billy Bob Thornton story. Helen, do you want to throw any stories? We'll do, in the next we'll do it next time. Okay. Right. Uh, okay. So that's the story. Yeah. But is it any good, Helen? Yeah. That's what people want to know. Yeah. Is this film, which is the latest uh, iteration in the DCEU, the much maligned DCEU that you and I have... Personally much maligned. ...lamented and maligned <laughs> over and over again in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, this is the film that, you know, we've well, heard bad things about. This is the film that actually has what the other two mostly lacked, which is actual charm. I say two, three or four, right, depending on how you count. Um this one is actually has characters that you like and root for and want to do well. Um, this has a character who cares about doing the right thing and doesn't grow a beard and go off to Alaska. You know, it's it just it seems to get what makes Wonder Woman work, and it also gets what makes Wonder Woman um, interesting and what makes her what has made her loved for seventy six years now uh, without a big screen outing. You know, it's. It's true to the character. She feels like Wonder Woman. She looks like her. She acts like her. Um, she is determined to save lives and not just go off and get glory for herself, uh, which is important. I think there's a little bit of that because she's very young in it and she's very kind of naive about how the world <laughs> it's really works. a couple of thousand years old. <laughs> yeah. But we don't quite know how that all works and how yeah, time passes of, yeah. on the island, so it's all a bit unclear. Um, she has a great relationship with, with Pine Steve Treasure, Trevor. I think they... I think it's one of these things where he's awesome, she's awesome, they kind of respect each other, both of them have knowledge that the other one needs, mm. and there there's an exchange there, so they feel like equals, even though one of them is a literal goddess, uh, it just it kind of works between the two of them, and I think that's that's really, really important. He obviously brings a lot of humour as well, but also there's the fish-out-of-water humour that she has. Um, she's super gorgeous. I mean, like, is crazy she, she, gorgeous. I, I, I hadn't. No. I hadn't noticed. I hadn't either. No. Tell us, Helen. No, I, like, is she super pretty? gorgeous. It's because I passed out halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> she I makes like, Chris Pine look like some kind of slack-jawed troglodyte. It's astonishing. Yeah. Let me assure you that she does not. Um, <laughs> no, he, he looks, he he looks, looks all right. Fine. He looks fine. Yeah. 
Fine. I mean, it's not his best fine. haircut ever, but fine. 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 Um, fine pine. The other, the other ladies are astonishing. I haven't mentioned uh, Lucy... Lucy Davis, Lucy Davis as yeah. Etta Candy, um, who's uh-huh. traditionally her best friend in the comic. She, she again, brings a lot of comedy to her bits. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, Saeed Tagmaui. We've got a, mm-hmm. a really nice little supporting... Ewan Bremer, a little sort of mm-hmm. comic supporting cast around them. Um, you know, bad guys led by Danny Houston, who should always lead bad guys. That's mm. what he's hit there for. That's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a nice balance of a cast. Not <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, okay. I so, really enjoyed it. There are, I mean, listen, there are flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of bad CG shots for whatever reason, whether they run out of money or time, I don't know. Those there are a couple that really are not good. Um, there are there's some there's a big big punch up at the end, and I kind of get I liked it better the second time around. I, I but it uh, is still a big CG punch up. Yeah, and I could have done without it. Well, yeah. Um, but there are also some great, great action scenes, and just so it's. I just was charmed, and I liked it, and I have not had that experience with any of the other DC films in years. Okay, so as you know, I'm a Marvel guy, and I so far haven't had a great relationship with the DC EU. I like elements of Man of Steel. I like elements of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I hate Suicide Squad. That movie is absolute. Trash. It's horrible, horrible film. Four Stars um, Empire. Four Stars Empire. <laughs> okay, I'm getting hot flush. Um, and I, I'd heard things about this movie going in. You know, a few months ago, I'd heard it made, you know, might be in slight trouble, blah, 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 blah. So I went in with very, very low expectations. I love this film. I absolutely love this film. I think this is fantastic. I wrote the Empire Review. If you haven't read that, do check it out already. Uh, I gave it four stars. So, spoiler alert, we gave this film four stars. The reason we don't give it five stars is because of that last 20 minutes. I have a major issue with the last 20 minutes. It does dive off a cliff somewhat. Uh, but for a large part of this movie, I had a big, goofy grin on my face. Yeah. I was loving it. It's sincere. It's got a heart. It gets it. It doesn't try and reinvent the wheel. It's not trying to give us something new visually, I would say, like a Doctor Strange or... Or or play with the conventions of the genre like Guardians Two did with the, with its opening Baby Groot sequence. It's not trying to do that. It's a very sincere, straight down the middle superhero flick that models itself, and you could argue possibly too closely, on the likes of Superman the movie, particularly Superman the movie, yeah, definitely, and Captain America the First Avenger, and even there's elements of Thor in there. Yeah. Now, but at the same time, those are good movies to model yourself on, and if you can get the that right and if you can get the heart right and if you can get the tone right and you can get the casting right and the central relationship right then you are in business and this movie is fantastic and I'm going to go see it again multiple times I think it is it is really infectious it'll leave you on a giddy high if you can just get past the last 20 minutes Gal Gadot is fantastic as as Wonder Woman Uh, Chris Pine is great as Steve Trevor their relationship together is redolent of Lois and Clark in the original Superman the movie Mm. Uh, or Lois and Clark and Lois and Clark (laughs) or Lois and Clark and Lois and Clark and I don't think there's any higher praise than that in the the superhero world Uh, it's fantastic Jimbo what do you think? Uh, I agree with more or less everything both of you have said which makes me very uncomfortable Um, but no I'm, I'm with you I think the DC films have been uniformly dreadful today, and I was 100% convinced that this would be equally bad, and nothing I had seen up until now 
convince me otherwise. And I was very pleasantly mm. surprised. I really enjoyed the beginning, the sequence on the Amazon island. It was lovely to see where all my parcels come from. Uh, you know, I, thought, <laughs> I thought she was great in the role. Uh, I thought Pine was really charming. Both of them just ooze charm, just mm. incredibly charming. And I think that's the one thing that these DC films have lacked. They've lacked humour, they've lacked charm, they've been bleak, they've been po-faced, they've been miserable. And this one made you feel quite buoyant. It made you feel happy. We should actually credit, I think Paddy Jenkins gets a lot of the credit for mm. that because she I had a chat with her on set. We didn't do a formal interview till later, but I did a chat with her on set and I came away from that so comforted because just in about a five-minute conversation over her lunch break, she just showed that she knew what the character needed to be and needed to do. And actually the character herself has changed a little bit since the her appearance in Batman v Superman where she was suffering a little bit of ennui or, or you know, disillusionment with mankind and, and actually they've kind of decided she can never get quite that disillusioned and they realise that when, when making this film and I think that's a really good sign for DC's future as well that someone's going to be fighting to keep at least one character thoroughly kind of hopeful and I think that, that could really, really help the balance when it comes to Justice League and beyond. So I found her a bit tedious and throwaway in Batman versus Superman, but then that describes the film as a whole. I quite liked her little cello riff, which I'm glad to see makes a recurrence here. Um, but no, she's she's a lovely character, and I, I don't come to this with any kind of, oh, she's not like the Wonder Woman I remember, because I could not give a toss about classical Wonder Woman, because I've never read it. I'm not a DC person. I barely read a Batman comic. I am Marvel through and through. Uh, so I'm not kind of coloured by any preconception as to who she should well, be. But... Mm-hmm. I loved who she was on screen, uh, and as you say, the film bore you know bore me along all the way until the wobble at the end. And I think perhaps a couple issues I have with it. There's one piece of inexplicable casting which we can't really talk about. Um, but other than that, no, I'm 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 I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, I came very very close to giving it five. Um, and if it hadn't been for that dive off a cliff at the end, I think I, mm. I think I might. I have. think dive off a cliff is harsh, but yeah, I know what you mean. I um I would say actually I I have read a bunch of the of the comics and obviously watched the TV show as a very tiny child, and I think this, I think in in some ways in the comics for a long time she was a great character in search of a story, and very few of the writers not you know there have been some over the years, but very few have really nailed what makes Diana great in the comics. Um, Gail Simone did it uh, in the last few years, but. It, you know, it took a long time to actually make her work consistently on the page, and I think they've done, they've gotten a right off the bat here. So happy days. Credit to them also for uh, doing justice to some of the more ridiculous aspects of that mythology, like the lasso of truth, uh, which actually becomes quite a funny device. So I thought yep. that was that was Absolutely. quite entertaining. Uh, and I loved the Invisible Jet. Liar. You guys couldn't see it, but it was there. It was there. It was there. It was yeah. there. Uh, so then, four stars uh, indeed for Wonder Woman. Uh, fantastic film. Um, we've had three comic book movies so far this year. I know that's that's a lot. We're now we're in June. That's three and six months, guys. That's that's, that's overdoing it. They've all been great in my for my money anyway. So yeah, but we also yeah. had to watch Iron Fist. So it wasn't all win win. <laughs> okay, so Helen, my life is a courgette. What about it, Chris? Tell me about it. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is uh, a new, uh, not very new, uh, French animated film um, about a young boy who is sent to an orphanage after his alcoholic mother's accidental death. Um, so a kindly cop who's voiced here by Nick Offerman um, sends him to this children's home uh, where he kind of befriends the bully and, and has to try and foil a distant relation for, um, from taking uh, the new girl who he has a crush on away from the children's home, basically. Um, 
basically it's one of those things where the plot isn't so much isn't so important it's more about the the animation the character drawing and just the the tone of it this is a gorgeous gorgeous story about you know a, a traumatized and a lonely uh, little kid finding a sort of a home i guess um it's not sentimentalized it's it's kind of it's very honest it feels kind of authentic and uh, even though they have obviously sort of plasticine looking hair and, and weird facial features and and but you just find yourself absolutely rooting for these kids. I mean, they've got these huge eyes. They just seem they're beautifully, beautifully animated. This was nominated for the Oscar last year um, and deservedly so because they are just so expressive and and you just kind of fall in love with them and you want the best for them and it's really worrying you're worried that they won't get it um it's, it's only 66 minutes long so you you absolutely have the time to spare to go see this and it is super charming and very thought-provoking so um so yeah do look out for it if it's on anywhere near you it's highly recommended that's four stars four stars another four stars but film the week wonder woman yeah yeah wonder woman uh so go and check Check them both out. My Life as a Wonder Woman and uh, Courgette, <laughs> the latest in the DCEU, uh, is out now. Uh, and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Uh, do check out the Pirates of the Caribbean Salazar's Revenge Spider Special, which will be up uh, probably by the time you listen to this as well. Uh, the Mummy Spider Special is coming soon as well with Alex Kurtzman. Uh, and join us next week for more formulated fun. We'll be joined by, potentially, Michael Sheen, who have done the podcast forever. Uh, Stuart Hazeldean, who's the director of Exam and next week's The Shack. And maybe Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. And, you know, maybe Tom Davis will pop in. You never know. You never know. How many until guests then, do you need? I know. We've gone from famine to feast. It's amazing. Uh, until then, it is goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. It is goodbye from James. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to read the lyrics to the second verse of Hayley Steinfeld's Love Myself. <laughs> I'll take it nice and slow. Feeling good on my own without you, yeah? Got me speaking in tongues. The beautiful, it comes without you. Yeah, this is disgusting. See you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>